Thanks for listening to the Dearest Doula podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Sines, and this is episode 54. When you sign up for a Cornerstone Childbirth Education course, you are signing up with an organization that is committed to providing a well-rounded, effective, and unbiased training course. Cornerstone's mission is to engage, inform, and empower. Create change. Become a childbirth educator with Cornerstone today. Hello and welcome, dearest doula community. Our next guest is a doctoral candidate in educational psychology. She's also a donor birth doula and international board certified lactation consultant. She has over 20 years experience in child development and education and currently offers services to clients in the New York, Hudson Valley and Metro New York area. Ladies and gentlemen, it's my pleasure to introduce to you Miss Leah Rivero Tadero. How are you, Leah? I'm doing great. Thank you, Natalie. Oh, great. Thank you for coming on. Now, I've given our listeners, oh, sorry. I've given our listeners just a little overview. So, why don't you take a moment to fill in any blanks and give us a glimpse into your personal and professional life? Oh, my gosh. Um, let's see. I came into this work about seven years ago. Um, interestingly, I was finishing my some of my doctoral studies and was pregnant with my second and really just had that wonderful clear moment where you go, I'm not going to be able to parent this child the way I want to if I go into academia. Um, So I started looking around for other options and landed at Elmhurst Hospital in Queens with the good fortune of working with Dr. Larry Noble, who is an amazing neonatologist and pediatrician there on a research study uh, focusing on breastfeeding in hospital. And it's effects, its programs, how it changes, parents' per- perspectives on feeding, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that was seven years ago. My baby is now eight. And I started from there just get realizing how much the women and families, especially throughout the immigrant communities in New York City, um, needed support to join their sort of intuitive indigenous um, native beliefs with what they were hearing from the doctors. Mm -hmm. And that's what led me to become an IBCLC lactation consultant. Um, And then from there, I sort of organically had this private practice grow up around me, which I'm blessed to have. And in about four years ago, um, I had a sort of opening or an awareness of the idea that being a lactation consultant, while extraordinarily rewarding, is also a little bit like being an ambulance driver in the sense that you're always on crisis call. You're always getting called to that upset family. Um, And so there's a really high burnout rate. And I met with a couple of doulas who had been wonderful referral sources to me and said, you know, is there something that I can do to meet families earlier and help prevent some of the train wrecks that I was seeing. Um, and so they started laughing at me actually as, as good friends are wont to do. And they started laughing and said, you know, we were waiting for you to come out of the doula closet. <laughs> and I said, really God, ugh, living on call. I don't know. It's such a thing. Um, I took a client shortly after that conversation and after my training And that client happened to deliver on my wedding anniversary. And the next client I took delivered on my birthday. (laughs) Um, 
So I kind of felt like there was some cosmic force saying, this is what you are supposed to be doing. And since that birthday baby four years ago, I have had a baby on my birthday every four, every year. Wow. <laughs> so I do kind of feel like I was, I, I got called into the right profession. Um, and I find that what I do a lot of is be able to provide that safety net that so many families are missing. Um, that connection between the hospital care and the going home and the days after before you see your pediatrician, um, mm -hmm. I can come in and start targeting like, what may be going really, really well or what may need to be supported and helped before it becomes a major issue. Um, now, all of that being said, I have an amazing family that allows me to do that. My husband is a musician and a stay-at-home father of our two children. And our two children are now 14 and eight. So they're a little bit more self-independent. Uh, so, mm. you know, I can do things like, you know, be on call and, and help my families as much as I can. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And I like how you really found yourself being pulled to the doula world because like you said, you were trying to find a solution that was more proactive than reactive. And I think that being a doula does definitely offer you that. And you kind of led us into right into your origin story. You know, you talked about what you were doing prior and how you got inspired. Mm -hmm. What I'd like to take a moment to touch a little bit more on is, um, you know, you did mention that you were a bit hesitant to step into that role because of the nature of being on call. And so just to take a larger focus point on that, was there anything else that was holding you back at that point from becoming a doula? And then once you made that transition, how did that go? You just, I mean, it sounds like you kind of just dived right in and took a client and went for it. But was there any kind of conversations at home that had to happen or anything that changed in your family life once you made that decision? Um, I did actually just sort of dive in and yeah, there were some conversations, but you know, when you're, when you've chosen many years ago to marry an artist, you kind of get used to the idea that at some point there's going to be someone who says, look, I just need to do this. Right. And this was mine where I turned around and said, I know this is going to be crazy and I don't know how it's going to work, but I know I need to do this. Um, so it was a little bit of like his time to look at me and go, eh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and as I said, even, you know, four years ago, the kids were 10 and four, mm -hmm. you know, it's not at the same as if you have a newborn or a toddler at home, sure. you know, these kids pretty much sleep through the night, they get up, they can feed themselves cereal if they need to. Mm -hmm. Um, so long as someone is there to collect them after school hours, we're pretty good. Well, that's great. And I, I love hearing uh, those transition stories just because I do feel like that's something that holds back a lot of a lot of people that are interested in birth work is trying to figure out that more practical side. Well, how am I going to make it work, especially if they have little ones involved? And huh. um, just seeing how other people have attained that, I'm hoping is going to be very inspiring for them and give them that gentle nudge into their calling as well. So um, with something else I like to ask all of my speakers is to really mm -hmm. get to the short and sweet of what you do. So Leah, let's say you're at a networking meeting and someone turns and asks you, what is it that you do as a doula or as an IBCLC? How would you sum that up in 10 seconds or less? I say that I'm, you know, the safety net for families. Um, I also tell them that 
you know, I'm a combination of their grandmother, their mother, and their favorite aunt, all mm-hmm. wrapped up into one person. Um, that I'm there to hold hands, to wipe foreheads, to support them through their labor delivery experience, and help it be, be the type of experience that both people in the partnership can turn around and say, wow, that was what I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I continue to be there for them through the length of their you know, breastfeeding or lactating um, lifetime, really. I'm one of the probably few doulas who doesn't have a cutoff date. Um, my clients contact me, text me, email me um, six months, a year later saying, okay, I'm going back to work or um, my pump doesn't seem to be working. What am I doing now? So really, I think this, the elevator speech is typically the, I, I am the safety net that your mother, your grandmother, your favorite aunt and your best friend would provide if they could in a different society. That's amazing. I really like that. It's so much, it speaks so much more to me than that more traditional, oh, I provide emotional, physical, and educational support just because it's so much more relatable. You put the picture and gave me those feelings of all those warm and fuzzies of those people I would want in the birth room. And then it's that added bonus of you having the knowledge of birth and all of the different ways to support. So I think that was a great, great elevator speech. Thank you. (laughs) No problem. Well, so Leah, as you know, being a birth worker isn't all sunshine and daisies and like anything else, it has its ups and downs. And I really like to touch upon these moments of struggle that we go through as birth workers again, because this show was created for that new and prospective birth worker. So giving them that small dose of reality, but then also making sure that we tie in how we overcame that struggle, I think is also going to be very inspiring for them. So do you mind sharing with us a time where you did struggle as a birth worker and then include how you overcame that struggle and how you use it to your advantage now? I think that's an amazing question because it really, you you come into this work thinking rainbows and unicorns, and that's Mm -hmm. true 99% of the time. Um, Ironically, the part of my origin story that I leave out most of the time is that my very first lactation consult was with a 23-week preemie who didn't survive more than two days, Um, that my first consultation was with this mother um, who knew that her baby wasn't going to survive most likely, but still wanted to do everything for her child as she could as a mother. And we sat and we hand expressed colostrum and we gave it to the baby and she fed the baby her colostrum. And it is unfortunate the baby did pass, but she was able to have that one experience of truly caring for her child in a very un atypical situation. Um, and similarly, my very first doula, you know, prior to training, prior to really coming into the world was for a friend who chose to have a late term termination. Um, and so I helped her through that experience as well. Um, so in, in a very interesting and odd way, I've been a full spectrum doula since the beginning. Um, when people have interesting, you know, interesting stories or people come into childbirth education classes with this is our, our situation. Do you have, do you know anyone who might be familiar with, um, you know, fetal loss or fetal demise? Um, I've actually gotten emails directly saying, Hey, you know, one of ours, Leah, she, she's 
this is the person you need to talk to, um, which is incredibly cherished and wonderful, but it's also is one of the hardest parts of doula work um, to be there to support a family who's not going to take their baby home. Um, from there, the, the challenge of overcoming and, and recognizing the love of that family and then sometimes being with them for what they call the, the rainbow baby. Right. Um, and the exhilaration of seeing this beautiful child who is going home with them, but who still has an older sibling that isn't home. Mm-hmm. Um, and that push pull is just, it gives me goosebumps every time I think of my families that I've been there for in that way. And, you know, the experiences and growth that I've had as a, as a person, um, you know, my connection to my own spiritual practices, my own meditations, um, that really reflect on, you know, these children who I've had the true honor of meeting, um, and letting go. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing those stories with us. And I've got to say, I really love your mindset on those. I mean, you walked in for your very first experiences, both as that lactation consultant and as a doula into some pretty heavy situations there. And instead of seeing them and taking that time to second guess whether or not this is for you, it sounds like that just really sealed it, you know, that you saw that and you were able to come through. And, And I love that because I feel like that's probably not all too common that, um, that, that a lot of people would have handled that that way. So, so I think that's great. It definitely is challenging. I, and there, there's definitely a lot of um, self-care work that you have to be prepared to do that doesn't necessarily come with the rainbows and unicorns. Right. Well, our next segment kind of does touch on those rainbows and unicorns <laughs> just because that is, you know, some of the great, that's probably the best part of our work. And oh, so absolutely. what I like to do is just ask our our guests to also share a time where they have what I've called a movie moment, but even more simply put, is just a time where they realized as a birth worker, this is why I do what I do. I was meant to be right here, right now. If you could share that with us, that'd be awesome. Um, the one, one of the births that I, I reflect on a lot where it was just, th- there were two. One was a second time mother. Um, her first birth had been, you know, 60 hours of on again, off again, on again, off again, sort of pro drama labor and draining. Now I was not the doula for that first one. Um, and when she hired me, she goes, you know, I'm, I'm anxious about this, but I'm, I'm confident that my body knows what it's going to do. Mm-hmm. So she goes into labor it looks like it's pretty steady and we go into St. Luke's Roosevelt, um, into the birthing center and sure enough, just like before the contractions disappear Hmm. and we sit, we talk with her midwife. We, you know, she, you know, reflects and we kind of go, all right, there's something about this hospital that you just don't like. (laughs) It it was what I I referred to as the Ina Gaskin moment. Um, we need to remove your mind from this hospital so this labor can progress. So we were fortunate enough to have her midwife discharge us. Um, and we went on a walk all the way along the Upper West Side of Manhattan through Lincoln Center, um, Columbus Circle. And we just walked and walked and talked and laughed. And she, her contractions, of course, out of the hospital picked up. And we labored for hours in Columbus Circle and Lincoln Center on Ninth Avenue, on 10th Avenue, 
Um, and finally something came over her face and I was like, you know, I think it's time to go. I don't think they're going to disappear this time. Let's go back to the hospital. Well, sure enough, we get there and she's at nine centimeters starting to push as soon as we walk in <laughs> and delivers hands, knees in the birthing center, um, a 13 pound baby. Holy moly. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> and we all went, wow. Oh my God. It's, nobody had a guess that this child was so big and nobody cared. And right. it was just one of those, we, everything that she knew about herself and everything that, you know, we supported her in believing about herself came true to be mm -hmm. able to do this amazing, beautiful, um, you know, it, the photos we have of, of the moments of after birth, she's just giggling. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and stare, like, holding this baby, you know, passed through her knees like, <laughs> where did this <laughs> three-month-old come from? <laughs> uh, yeah, and so that was that's definitely one of the ones that I think back on and just, you know, go, this is what we know. This is what we can believe in and have faith about in terms of trusting our bodies to do what is right. Exactly. Um, and this other one that I look upon is actually very different. It was a labor that stalled and we didn't weren't able to get it going again um she was starting to spike a fever um which in new york city means that babies will then be taken into the neonatal icu unit for mm -hmm. observation and antibiotics um and so her care provider said you know we could keep going but if your fever gets higher this is what's going to happen and i just want to prepare you for that um or we could have a cesarean now, obviously, a cesarean was not the birth method of choice for this mother. Sure. And she and her husband and I talked about it after the doctor left because it wasn't an emergency. There was no, no time crunch. Sure. Um, and I explained to her what all the procedures would be in the neonatal uh, unit. Um, I've worked in three different hospitals, so I'm pretty familiar with everything that goes on in there. And she looked at her husband, you know, right, you know, one of those moments between couples where you're just privileged to observe. Mm -hmm. And she says, it's better for her not to go there. I will have surgery instead. Wow. And that moment of just maternal sacrifice of her wants and desires for the better health and outcomes for her baby was gorgeous. Um, and what was amazing is once she made that decision and they agreed to it, she goes in for the surgery, she comes out of surgery. She is also just giggling and happy and her <laughs> OB is laughing and her husband standing there with his arms up in the air, like cheering, going, yeah, baby, yeah. <laughs> and the whole recovery room turns around and starts clapping. I mean, she basically got a standing ovation. <laughs> And so it's one of, you know, again, that moment where it sometimes it doesn't matter what the birth method outcome is. Right. It's how do they go into that choice and decision making? And that was one of those moments where you go letting the family, letting the woman feel be empowered through education and knowledge gave her the strength to do this. And it was such a beautiful thing um, from the beginning to the end. And the standing ovation just sort of sealed the deal. <laughs> 
Oh, Leah, those were two beautiful moments that I'm so glad you got to share with the Dearest Doula community. I'm smiling ear to ear over here just listening to these stories. <laughs> they were absolutely wonderful. And one of my favorite parts about this segment is that most of the time, or I want to say over 90% of the time when we ask this question, we get these really atypical situations um, that are shared with us. And the reason I love that so much is because I feel like if you were to ask a prospective doula to outline what they think that dream birth is going to look like or where they feel that rush or that moment of knowing, it's kind of this picture-perfect timeline of events that happens. Oh, mom, you know, was able to labor at home wonderfully and everything went according to plan and then, you know, the baby came out beautifully. But it's in hearing these moments where we realize that it's sometimes through the unexpected and we've had other guests share moments where their clients have faced incredible adversity in these times. And you would not think from the beginning that this was going to end up being such a beautiful moment, but that's uh-huh. just the nature of our work. And that's the beauty of it is that we get to see these parents transform and the way that they embrace these alternatives or embrace their outcomes and focus on, on themselves and on baby or, or push through whatever the situation is, we are so honored to be there and to just be a part of that and simply observe, like you said. So, so I love that. And thank you. Thank you again so much for sharing those. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Sure. So we're going to go ahead and move into the nitty gritty part of our podcast episode. But before we do, we're just going to take a quick word from our sponsors. Sure. Cornerstone Doula Trainings is excited to announce their upcoming Childbirth Educator Certification Retreat, which will be taking place in July of 2016 in the gorgeous Ojai, California. In this seven-day retreat, registrants will have the opportunity to make long-lasting friendships, have access to trainers and mentors one-on-one all week long, enjoy organic chef-prepared meals daily, and take in the beauty of their surroundings, all while gaining a trusted and credible certification as a childbirth educator. Developed by a doula and home birth midwife, the Cornerstone Method draws upon many years of combined direct service experience to provide a system that works for all families, regardless of structure, identity, and birth setting. So create change and become a childbirth educator with Cornerstone today. Space is limited. Be sure to register at cornerstonedoulatrainings.com. That's cornerstonedoulatrainings.com. So, Leah, what would you say is your biggest strength as a birth worker? Calm in the eye of the storm and knowledge from working on the inside of how hospitals and administrations actually work. And what would you say is your biggest weakness as a birth worker? Patience. (laughs) All right. And uh, what is one thing that has you inspired right now? Right now, it's sort of a practical business piece because um, I only the last year relocated to the Hudson Valley. So I now I'm working with a doula partner, which I've never done before. Mm -hmm. Um, So Michelle Nacy, also known as Cricket up here, uh, and I have been partnering through HV Doulas to sort of transform doula work in the Hudson Valley area um, to really bring the IBCLC, the postpartum piece, that safety net that I've worked mm-hmm. so worked a lot about um, to the families up here. Um, and so we've been 
on a huge marketing kick and just like retooling and of course getting to know each other. Um, we just took a family trip basically. <laughs> to, with, she has three kids. I, I took my two um, and went, went to the uh, Museum of Natural History and just, you know, getting to know each other as as women and doulas and as business partners. And so that's been really inspiring. And it's been a wonderful experience being able to share call schedules and be able to share clients um, and be able to reflect back on, you know, these experiences with someone rather than mm -hmm. in a vacuum. Sure. So I'm, I'm just curious, how did you two decide to partner together? Were you previously friends or how did you nope. decide <laughs> that, that you guys were just going to do that together? Um, well, it, it, you know, a little bit like we're, we have enough of the same sort of hold hands and, and jump into the deep end personality mm -hmm. in common that we actually met in the driveway of our shared chiropractor oh awesome <laughs> and her license plate happens to be hv doula and i looked and mm -hmm. went hey you're a doula and she goes yeah and i went so am i <laughs> uh, and we end up you know meeting for lunch and a beer and having a great conversation and just talking you know origin stories family sure. parenting ideas you know all of the the normal getting to know you stuff right. and turned around and we're like how did we not ever meet each other before? <laughs> but she had to move down from the capital region and I had to move up from the metro region and we met in New Paltz. That's awesome. I love that. And I love how you met outside your chiropractic office. It'll just show you that chiropractic aligns a lot more in your life than you'd think. So, pretty cool. <laughs> uh, my husband's a chiropractor, so I'm very biased, I'm sure. <laughs> All right. So Leah, what is one personal habit that keeps you on your A-game? meditation although that doesn't you know it's it's a combination between hiking walking driving mm -hmm. <laughs> um i do a lot of driving uh trying you know, i'd say meditation honestly meditation sure yeah. sounds good what is one internet resource like kelly mom that you swear by for my clients or for myself it can be either one for my clients, I have frequently have them refer to zero to three dot org, um, and you have to spell all that out: z e r o t o t h r e, um, which is one of the preeminent organizations in the nation on child development, and it focuses on the ages zero to three years old. Hmm. Um, so it it's one of those places I send parents who are getting all of that wonderful and well-meaning advice. Um, and they just need to sort through it. Um, and, and it's a great spot for learning about milestones, what's normal, what might not be normal. Um, sure. It's a great place to learn about sleep and caregivers and what to look for and what to talk about, all those types of things. Um, so that's what I send my families to. For myself, I probably refer the most to LactNet, which is a, it's now on Facebook, but there's was a traditional listserv as well of extremely knowledgeable seasoned lactation consultants um, who have seen everything under the earth or over the earth to, in regards to different breastfeeding complications. 
Um, and so I, I still go through that one and, you know, look for new ideas and new things that I should be looking for. Awesome. What is one item that you consider your must have as a doula? My rice sock and my avocado oil. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Well, and I use avocado oil because it's extremely moisturizing. It carries scent really well. So if you are using a little bit of essential oil, it does it nicely. And of course, with all of the allergies, most people are not allergic to avocado. Oh, that's a good one. That's really good. Okay, so the next question's a bit of a doozy, but it's a really good one. Okay. Now let's say, let's say you woke up tomorrow in a completely new town. Your food and shelter are taken care of and you have $300. What steps would you take in the next 10 days to build your business? $300, 10 days to build a business. Since I feel like I'm, that's what I've been doing for the last year, um, identifying the key providers, both obstetrical and pediatric, using some of the $300 to get postcards or some type of material into their hand. Um, since food and shelter are taken care of, I assume that I have the ability to bake cookies. Those always work yeah. well. Um <laughs> So I would probably do my best to get into as many practices as possible, including, um, and I would start with obstetrics and pediatrics and then move out to acupuncture, chiropractor, and massage. And in some places, depending on who, what, where, and why, I would probably also go to um, houses of worship because often the you know minister or... Uh, Rabbi, you know, will have sort of the firsthand knowledge of families sure. and be the person that some people will turn to first. That's a new one. I haven't heard that one, but that sounds like a great piece of advice. So awesome. Now, whether it comes to business building, attracting clients, or marketing your brand, what are some strategies you've implemented that you really feel have helped to elevate your business? Thank you notes. Mm-hmm. Anytime I work with a provider, even if it's been, you know, multiple times in a row, I do a, you know, handwritten, um, you know, logo, brand logo, thank you note, um, noting the client and just something that the care provider did that was really special. Um, even on those times where you have to dig really hard <laughs> to find that one good thing, um, <laughs> But just to say, you know, thank you so much for the care you provided and the, you know, I, I look forward to working with you and your practice again. Um, I've gotten quite a bit of work from different providers just because they got a thank you note. That's awesome. Great. And the last one is, what is a success quote that inspires you? Always work for your why. And is that kind of like your own quote for yourself or... It, it's something a good friend of mine who does um, a lot of corporate training and development um, uh, is something he works on. He, his, well, his, his name's Simon Sinek, um, and he actually wrote the book, you know, Why. Um, <laughs> but his philosophy is that too often in business we get stuck in the what's. What are we doing? Which means like there's just that whole level of bureaucracy and administration. Um, where are we doing it? Do we need a new office? Um, you know, how much money are we charging? 
Whereas if you really focus on why you're doing it, and it could be as simple as I do this because it makes me feel good. I do this because, you know, it pays my mortgage. Um, you know, if your why is true to you, then you're going to do a better job at whatever it is. Sure. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thank you for that. Now, the Dearest Doula community truly believes that what you do matters, Leah. So please take a moment to just leave us with a parting piece of guidance, the best way we can connect with you, and then we'll say goodbye. I think for the Dearest Doula community, you know, the doulas who are starting out, um, you know, hold true to the reason you entered into this field because you, it is hard and you will be tired and remember to take time for yourself. Um, whether that means a little time every day or a real vacation every year, um, you need that time to rebuild and re renew yourself. Um, in terms of reaching, finding me, in terms of qu questions, concerns, um, I'm always open to people who are starting out, especially as you know, doulas are getting hired more and more as breastfeeding consultants. Um, if they have questions, they're welcome to email me directly. Um, my website is mamimia.co, and that's M-A-M-I-M-I-A dot C-O. Um, and as a doula through hvdoulas.com, and that's H-V-D-O-U-L-A-S dot com. Um, Cricket and I are happy to answer questions of, you know, upcoming doulas, or, and we're also, of course, looking for people to share, to continue sharing our call schedule with. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, in terms of business, stay true to yourself. You know, you, you do yourself best is one of those wonderful memes that goes around. <laughs> I like that. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today, uh, Leah. The Dearest Doula community will be able to find links to everything of value that we mentioned on today's show by right. going to dearestdoula.com, um, clicking on that podcast button and finding you in the archives, or by simply typing Leah, that's just L-E-A in the search bar to have your show notes page pop right up. Thanks okay. so much again for coming on. And because of your interview, we are now all one step closer to being connected, educated, and empowered. Thank you, Natalie. It was a lot of fun.